Good morning. You guys ready for the end of the semester? This is the last chapel. <laughs> when we enter into the story of Luke, we enter into a story of praise. In the first two chapters, there are several characters who are singing and shouting praises to God. You have characters like Elizabeth and Zechariah who are singing praises because God has given them a son in their old age. You have characters like Mary who are singing praises to God, for God is fulfilling his promises to his people. You have the shepherds shouting praises to God, for they have been given the blessing to see Christ as a baby. You see Simeon and Anna sing praises to God, for they get to see Jesus as he's presented at the temple. The book of Luke is filled with praise for God. And I find it fitting that our chapel theme is my praise in the great assembly. This entire semester, we have been surrounded by the concept of praising God, of praising him constantly in this assembly of his people. We've been flooded by this concept of praise. But ironically, this semester has made it somewhat difficult to praise God. Circumstances this year have made it difficult to want to praise God because we live in a broken world. We live in a world where forest fires destroy countless homes and jobs and even take some lives. We live in a world where a school bus filled with children crashes. We live in a world filled with pain and hurt, sickness, and even death. And many of us this semester have felt those things. We've had to endure those things. Many of us right now are hurting and are in pain. And it is difficult for us to come here and to sing or shout praises of God. But when we look into the world of Luke, into the world filled with people singing and shouting praises to God, we actually find that it isn't that much different from the world we're in right now. It isn't perfect. It is definitely a broken and corrupt world. Take Mary, for instance. In her situation, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, being pregnant alone is enough to be filled with worry. It's enough to be filled with fear or nervousness, especially if it's your first time being pregnant. Mary is probably filled with exhaustion, filled with nervousness. It's almost terrifying. Mary came face to face with an angel, which is simultaneously amazing and horrifying. Mary knows that the child she carries isn't just a normal child, but this is the child who will fulfill all of God's promises to his people. That's not an easy burden to carry, it's exhausting, it's scary. And not only that, but Mary isn't married when she gets pregnant. So Mary has to endure all of the looks and the judgments of the people in her community, despite still being a virgin. Mary isn't in this perfect place. 
But when we see her in the first chapter of Luke, despite her circumstances, despite every reason to be worried or nervous or scared, we see her singing a song of praise. For she begins her song singing this, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Mary doesn't allow herself to be stuck in those current circumstances of worry or nervousness or fear or exhaustion. Mary chooses to allow her perception to go beyond those current circumstances and to see a God who is faithful past, present, and future. Mary chooses to put her trust in a God who is faithful, a God who is watching over her despite her lowliness, a God who has given her a blessing in this moment, a blessing that is so great that from then on, every single generation will consider her blessed. She says that the Lord has done great things for her. So despite her current circumstances of worry, she chooses to see beyond that. She chooses to see a God who is faithful to her and her specifically. But Mary's song doesn't just talk about her. She then goes on to talk about the world around her. And the world around her is a broken, dirty, messed up place. When Mary looks around, she sees political and religious corruption. When Mary looks around, she sees tax collectors siphoning money from people who can barely get by. When Mary looks around, she sees poor and hungry people. She sees people in need. She sees people who are sick. When Mary looks around, she sees people who are hurting. She sees people who are dying. The world that Mary is living in is far from perfect. It's a corrupt world. But this is what she has to say about it. She says that God shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Mary isn't just stuck seeing the current circumstances of the world. Mary isn't just stuck seeing the brokenness and the corruption and the pain of what's going on in her day. Mary sees a God who is faithful to his creation, a God who is restoring the broken, healing the sick, a God who opposes tyranny, who brings down oppressors, exalts the humble, raises up good. Mary is reminded of God's faithfulness in the past. She's reminded of God's faithfulness in the present and in the future, how God is working to restore his creation, to create a world where there is no evil, no pain, no sickness, no need, no stress, no worry. God is working to create his perfect kingdom where everyone is in unity. There is no oppression. There is no hurt. Mary chooses to see this despite the current circumstances of her world. She chooses to put her trust in this God who is faithful. And then Mary goes on to sing more specifically about the people of God. And they're not in a good position either. 
The Israelites are under Roman rule. They have religious corruption. They're enduring 400 years of silence from God. And not in a good place. And yet this is what Mary sings. She says, He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Despite the Israelites' current circumstances, Mary remembers how God has been faithful to them in the past, how God is being faithful to them now through the son that he has given her, and how God will always be faithful to them in the future. Mary is able to remember every single instance that God has been faithful to his people from the beginning of creation. Mary remembers that it was by God's faithfulness that Noah and his family were saved from the destruction of the flood. Mary remembers that it was by God's faithfulness that Abraham was taken care of when he left his home and everything that he knew. Mary remembers that it was by God's faithfulness that Sarah was given a son despite her old age. It was by God's faithfulness that out of the one man Abraham, an entire nation came about. It was by God's faithfulness that watched over Jacob despite his restlessness. It was by God's faithfulness that protected Joseph in the land of Egypt. It was by God's faithfulness that brought Joseph to a, power, to a place of power and prestige, where he was be able to be reunited with his family and to take care of them in the midst of a famine. It was by God's faithfulness that the Israelites were one day able to leave Egypt, to leave the bonds of slavery. It was by God's faithfulness that the Israelites were able to walk through the Red Sea as if they were walking on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were utterly destroyed. It was by God's faithfulness that the Israelites brought down the walls of Jericho simply by walking around it for seven days. It was by God's faithfulness that Gideon was given multiple signs, that Samson was given his strength, that David was turned into a mighty warrior and king. It was by God's faithfulness that brought down fire onto the altar of Elijah. And it was by God's faithfulness that Jeremiah was given the strength to prophesy in the midst of a horrific circumstance. There has never been a time in which God was unfaithful to his people. But what do we say about those who are suffering? What do we say about those who are exhausted? What do we say about those dealing with hurt or with pain? What do we say about those who feel alone and abandoned? What do we say about those who have no family to go home to this Christmas? What do we say about those who have a family to go home to this Christmas, but they absolutely dread going home to them? What do we say about those who have no idea where they'll be three or six months from now? What do we say about those who are tired and drained and utterly exhausted? What do we say about those who seem like everything is going wrong for them? What do we say about those who are dealing with the loss of a loved one? 
Is God faithful to these people? The answer to that question is yes. God is faithful. Because God's faithfulness reached a new height when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take on the flesh of mankind through the Virgin Mary, knowing that he would live to suffer and die on our behalf. You see, God is a God who is outside time. God has no beginning and no end. He sees every moment. And so when he sees a moment of pain or of hurt, when he sees a moment of of loneliness or fear, every moment of death, when God sees these moments, he also sees the moments of life and of vibrancy. He sees the moments of joy. God sees the moments of goodness, of where he is glorified. God sees the time where he will create a perfect world, where there will be no more pain and no more suffering, where all of his people will be saved, where all of his people will be resurrected. You have to remember that when Jesus came to this earth as a baby, he knew that he would live only to suffer. But he would suffer so that we could obtain salvation. When Jesus was a child, he knew he would die. But he knew that when he died, he would then be raised to life, so that we could be raised to life with him. Our God is a God whose perception goes far beyond the current circumstances we are seeing. And he knows that the promises that he makes, he will fulfill. He will bring about healing. He will bring about restoration. Because he is a God who is faithful. So I urge you to take this season, to take this Christmas, to remember that God has given us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. That he came to this earth to take on the flesh of mankind that he would bear our burdens, that he would suffer as we do, that he would die and be raised to life so that we can be unified with him. Because for those who feel like everything is going wrong for them, the Lord is faithful. For those who are currently struggling or stressed or worried, The Lord is faithful. For those who are tired and drained and utterly exhausted, the Lord is faithful. For those who have no idea where they will be three or six months from now, the Lord is faithful. For those who have no family to go home to this Christmas, the Lord is faithful. And for those who absolutely dread going home for Christmas, the Lord is faithful. For those who are worried about finals and school and other responsibilities, the Lord is faithful. For those who are hurt and grieving because of the loss of a loved one, the Lord is faithful. 
The Lord has given us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. God has sent his son to this earth so that we might be saved in him. The Lord is faithful. So let us sing a song of praise.